Hey everyone, this is Chris from Charm City Music Cast, and this is Charm City Music Cast number 11. And today we have a band called Mojo Bozos Electric Circus on. Uh, funny thing about this podcast is it was recorded about a month ago, and unfortunately I fell behind and was unable to release it. Uh, but some important information about Mojo Bozos Electric Circus, they actually have a show coming up. That's right. They have a show at the Metropolitan Gallery down in Annapolis on October 20th. Tickets are $8, and you can hand, head to the band's Facebook page, Mojo Bozo's Electric Circus, and buy your tickets. I know the band would be very happy to see you at the show, and I hope you love your music. But without further ado, here is the Mojo Bozo's Electric Circus interview. Thank you.
Hey everyone, this is Chris from Charm City Music Podcast. And if you listen to our podcast last, that was Magic Wax. And this podcast is all about Mojo Bojo's Electric Circus. Oh yeah. Hello. Oh yeah, yeah. Who are playing a show at Angel's Rock Bar on September 28th. And there's going to be free tacos there, right? I've been told that's the plan. Oh, there's free tacos. Now, let me <coughs> let me tell you how the free taco line works. You go get in line, you get your tacos, and as soon as you get your tacos, you got to get back in line for more tacos. Because they only give you, like, two or three at a time. Only so, two or three. Yes. They've never seen me in uh, Taco Bell. Uh, I know. I spent 30 bucks at Taco Bell last weekend. I'm probably going to be spending 30 bucks at Taco Bell when I leave tonight. Just 30 for bucks is a lot at Taco Bell. Everything on the menu is like a dollar. Yeah, but that next morning when you wake up and you're, you're going to pay like, for it, right? Yeah, you're going to pay for it. But at the same time, like you're like, I will, I will pay for this while I'm eating it on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you always want the fire sauce. But back to the show, September 28th, 28th Transcendent Events uh, Monthly Mayhem. You can come. You can see Magic Wax, who was on the last podcast. Mojo Bojo's Electrical Cir- Electric Circus, who's on this podcast. Either way, it's good. Medusa's, Medusa's Disco, Phantasm, and Liquefaction. So what we're going to do is we have the boys here from Magic Wax, who have actually loved your music, admire you guys as musicians, they're going to ask some questions because they just sat here for two hours and 45 minutes and did a podcast with me, and they want to go home. And I know you guys are like, I want to go home, too. Well, you're roped into this. You're stuck here. We got food now. It's okay. Yeah, I know. You're, you're getting perky. Moving up like, in the world. Yeah. You, you were, you're sitting like, over there. Now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you took some of that magic wax. Exactly. <laughs> so magic wax, the forum is yours. So my first question for you, gentlemen, is... Will people dressed as clowns actually not be allowed into your show? Because I was, I, I know people who want to do that. Oh, they'll have front row seats. Okay. Ooh. And they're because nobody will shots. be sitting in the front. They will get two free shots because I promised on the last podcast anybody that comes to their show on the twenty eighth will get two free shots by me if they come dressed as a clown. And it's got to be the first person who comes up to me, and the band verifies that they bought a ticket through the band's Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash Mojo Bozos. So you got to buy the ticket through the page, and the other thing you've got to do is you've got to say that you are coming to see Mojo Bojo when you buy your ticket. There's right. a little space that says, what band are you coming to see? You have to say that. The band's going to verify that you actually said that. And if you show up just as a clown, I will get you two shots. Fair mm. enough. Deal? That it's a deal. sounds like a pretty good deal, but when what do, do I get, get shots? Out of this? <laughs> yeah, what, what do we get out of it? All right, I'm not made of money, okay? <laughs> More tacos? I didn't say they yes, had to you're... be expensive shots. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm getting people. I'm trying I mean, to I'll get take people some rail whiskey. out to your show, oh, and they're going to enjoy it. And I, I, I yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Tacos, <laughs> clowns, and pirates will be there. So so what was your question again about, about the clowns? So my first. Well, the fr- now, reiterate your first question because they oh. kind of didn't answer it. Well, I, I interjected. If you remember on the last podcast, I, I believe it was said that um, people dressed as clowns will not be allowed into the show. I just wanted to. 
clarify that that was false because this is a reverse effect for this show. So maybe I'm terrified of clowns. Maybe. Hypothetically, if you are, I kind of feel like you're you're putting me on the spot for being afraid of clowns. Then feel a little I, vulnerable I find right it now. Very unfortunate that your your band name implies clowns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's point, all about facing your fears. <laughs> and that's what I'm about every day. Overcoming. Life. One day at a time. One day at a time. My first genuine question for you, gentlemen, is uh, what bands would you say have influenced you over the over the years as you've grown as musicians? Well, I think uh, Insane Clown Posse. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We had to that go there. That about sums it up. I'm leaving. That's the end of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> Told you we shouldn't have picked this name. Damn. Well, uh, I think as far as like the harder rock stuff, you obviously got your Sabbaths and your Zeppelins and Rush and all the classics. That's kind of what I grew up on. But uh, as far as some different stuff goes, I think uh, I was like heavily influenced by like some of the like. San Francisco 60s, like desert rock kind of sound. Um, a big record that influenced my guitar playing was um, a record I discovered hearing over um, the loudspeaker at a record store. They actually turned me on to this record. It's uh, Grace Slick and the Great Society, her band before Jefferson Airplane. They have like a live record just in a club and it's super stripped down. But uh, some of the guitar playing all that just and what was that again grace grace slick and the great society okay. it's her first band but um yeah some of the some of the guitar styles and that heavily for a long time influenced me and uh another uh record i picked up uh it was actually my grandmother when she passed away i inherited her collection and <coughs> one record that stood out to me was um Paul Butterfield band. They used to open up for the Doors and some of those bands back in the day. They didn't get a lot of coverage. They're not a band you hear about a ton, but they actually low-key influenced a lot of the bands in the 60s in San Francisco, like the Grateful Dead and a lot of those bands. And uh, a track in particular called East West is something that changed my guitar playing for a long time. Uh, and a guy called Michael Bloomfield, his whole... His whole thing he was doing, I definitely was influenced by. But, um, but yeah, that and uh, so we, I, th I feel like on this record we just did. <coughs> I feel like and, and and also some like Hendrix stuff too. <laughs> I got to squeeze that in there and some cream. But uh, I feel like on this record, out of anything I've ever done, I feel like I've like been able to have that like nod to your influences more than ever. But also I feel like it's like more of myself that I've ever captured on a record rather than trying to be something else. So I, I feel like it's a perfect balance of like, you know, paying your dues to your influences, but also taking it somewhere new. So and I'm pretty happy with that. One thing we didn't do real quick. I, okay. I want to introduce the members of Mojo. Bojo. Sure. Bozos. Bozos. <laughs> yeah. So let's do that. Who was, who was just speaking? Uh, this is Ryan and I play guitar and sing and to my left is Jeremy. And I play bass. Okay. And who else is in the band that's not here right now? Uh, my brother Shane plays drums. And okay. we've been in bands for over 12 years now. Oh, wow. <coughs> all right, sweet. So, all right, so you guys have any other questions? Like, what do you want to go with? What is your favorite condiment on a sandwich? Ooh. For the longest time, I was a plain Jane 
just, I respect that. Just, I, just raw dogging it. But I hate all of that. What kind of sandwich? But I'm opening up. About? The order I get, I'm like, you know, throw a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I'm, I'm opening it up. But a little bit of everything. What you, so what my you current got? favorite, like right now in 2018, I'm really into that Just Mayo stuff. Have you seen that? Ooh, it's like a... Um, <laughs> non-dairy mayonnaise that tastes just like mayonnaise. Anyway, oh, wow. not to get in a whole conversation about that. They have a sriracha um, mayo type thing, that which is fantastic good. on so pretty much So you eat a sandwich right. that is literally made of bread, sriracha, and mayo. Well, there's other things on said sandwich. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I got my own question confused. <laughs> well, your question was the condiment, and the condiment for me is the, the mayo, the just mayo. With sriracha. With meat. He wants meat on that sandwich. But I also like ketchup a lot. You're not saying that you're eating a sandwich with just mayo. No, it's not a mayonnaise sandwich. What kind of savage do you think I am? I'm trying to make that clear. Damn it, Doug, get patty mayonnaise off your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's right. We're really bringing it together here on the podcast. I had a, I had a bad experience with mayonnaise once, and I've never gone back. Um, as a kid, I found a, a knife in the sink, and... You know, when you're a kid, you find stuff, and you're just like, oh, I have a sip of this, I have a taste of this. Well, I thought this knife had icing, uh, cake icing. Oh, oh, no. So I'm like, mm, this looks delicious. So I took a big swig of it, and uh, it was not cake Tell icing. Tell me you guys wrote a song about that. It was straight mayonnaise. <laughs> cake mayonnaise. <laughs> I did not write a song, but it changed my life oh, drastically. Oh, my God. Wow. So I hate it's to say I've never gone back. You have a similar story to me when I was, uh, when I was a young boy. Uh, it was at a friend's house, and his mother was, like, a science teacher. And I think we just had, like, Oreos. Or it was, like, snack time, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I went into the refrigerator after any normal person would after eating Oreos. You want some milk? So I reached into the back of the refrigerator. Oh, no. I know And in the back of the refrigerator was a science experiment. <laughs> and I grabbed the science experiment, which was a carton of milk that had been sitting in the refrigerator for, like, months. Oh, my God. And I just took the biggest uh, gold mine. <laughs> took the biggest gulp of it and it was just rotten sour milk and as a you know oh god kid the first taste of sour milk is just terrifying right is that what inspired or as an music? adult that's what inspired me to be uh, a musician that's why we're a band sour milk <laughs> that's, that's awesome why it's it the name life. of our, our uh, new album sour milk <laughs> alright you heard it here first on Charm City Music Cast <laughs> alright what other questions do you guys have do you have any, Doc? How'd you guys come up with your name? Yeah, that's, that's a very funny good. one. I that's, feel like we should have opened one. up with that. You asked us this question, so I figured I'd return the favor. So. <laughs> and they were like, we don't give a fuck that it's going to cost a ton to put on shirts and merch. We're going with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Unfortunately, they charge you per letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we're, we're in for a treat then. Um... The name doesn't have too much of a hardcore meaning. I I wanted the word bozos in it just to like kind of like like we have some songs that are I would say pretty rocking and you know we're right. up there jamming. But I also don't want people to think that we take ourselves too seriously. So right. the word bozos in there just lightens the mood a little bit. Like we're gonna do some serious rocking here, but we're not gonna we don't think we're like anything that crazy. Like right. we're just normal people. So it's like I don't know. We just we're just keeping it real, you know? We just want to rock. <laughs> and, 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 okay, so you, you, you use the word bozos in there. Now, as a band, was that something that one person took and they were like, hey, you need to pick a fucking name, dude, 
and brought back to the band, or were you guys just all sitting there together? It was out of any band I've been in, the littlest of head scratching with band names. We threw this out, and it was yeah. pretty much the first thing. And everyone was like, just like, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Uh, uh, There's different works. versions of it, you know. Right. But we went with a long, confusing one, so. See, <laughs> I feel like, like, I feel like there's a lot of bands out there who get stuck at that point and would fucking argue over a name. Well, right. these guys are luckily the easiest person or people in the world to work with. I mean, I got my brother on drums, so right. the, if we are going to argue about anything, we got that brotherly classic. All right, we're mad about this today, and tomorrow you're my best friend. So right. that's one and down. And then Jeremy, he's been uh, doing all of our recording at his place and... Really just hooking up everything, promotion, flyers, recording, and he's just been a blast to work with. So this thing's been just 100% fun. We're super stoked to be with bands like Magic Wax and Medusa's Disco. Uh, we got a show with Leo and Cygnus coming up from Annapolis. We're super stoked to play oh, with. Oh, you're playing Leo and Cygnus? We love those I guys. Saw, yeah. I, I actually uh, <coughs> saw them at Nextival, and we have a nice. podcast with nice. them. Nice, We yeah. did a podcast with them that has yet to be released. So yeah, we've been trying to get a show together with them for a while, so um, I think we're doing a pop-up show that you guys just played, Stan and Joe's yep. pop-up show. We're doing... Yeah, we're doing the 29th. So. What I might do, yeah. that's a live podcast, so if you guys are okay with it, I might I might attach that to the end of yours as yeah. kind of like a secret track. Cool. Go for it. Yeah. Right on. So that would, that, would, that's, that, that would be cool because you guys are doing a show with them. Um, so, like, with Mr. Bojo's Electric Circus, okay? <laughs> because you, it changes every time, <laughs> which is also kind of amusing for me because yeah. it, it's, just, it's just great. <laughs> But how did you guys decide? Because here's the thing. You could have been like Mr. Mo Mr. Bojo's band. Like, what? at what point were you guys like, ah, it's not going to cut it? The thing about the band name for me is I, I think the, like, litmus test of, like, a good band name is when you can hear the band name and you know what kind of music they are. Like, right. if you hear a band like uh, Captain Beefheart. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or, or King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Yeah, like, you, you know, know you're getting right. into some you know you're, Yeah, you're getting into some weird <laughs> Magic shit. Magic Like, I need to take some So, like, dreams. being kind of a, a weird amalgamate of, you know, psychedelic rock and prog right. rock. You know, when you hear... You know it's not top 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're not pop songs, so... Uh, I think it kind of, you know, prepares you for what, what's coming. You yeah, know, you're it, taking it's a trip. Very clear that we're a psychedelic rock band, so... Nice. That's what I enjoy about the band name. Sweet. I like that, though. Because you, you guys kind of went the extra mile with it. You weren't just like... Mr. Bojo's band would have been enough. And yeah. like, yeah, this is going to be a little trippy. But then you added Electric Circus. Like, you want the extra mile. And well, they weren't sold on the first one. I'm like, well, how about this, this, and Electric Circus? What was the first one? Just Mojo Bozos. Mojo Bozos? And yeah. they were like, eh. Well, Mojo Bozos, Electric Circus. So where did you go with Electric Circus? Electric okay, circus so Electric before. Circus goes back to Michael Bloomfield and um, Paul Butterfield Band. He was in a band... Um, that played a uh, Monterey Pop Festival called uh, The Electric Flag. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of thought that was a cool name. And if you under knew the history of the band, it kind of made sense. But right. um, So, yeah, it was kind of a nod to that. And uh, the circus thing, I've always just loved like stuff like Tom Waits and uh, just all that kind of stuff, that whole vibe we wanted to kind of capture in the name. So it really, your musical influences really played into that. Into For sure. Name. Yeah. Sure. Sweet. Do you guys like Primus? Well, I love Primus. I love 
pretty much any three-piece in general that sounded like that, but yeah. I saw them a few years ago, and that also was a band I forgot to mention that I wouldn't say changed my guitar playing, but just seeing them as a three-piece unit, I was like, I want to I wanna capture that someday. And I pretty much always wanted to be in a trio forever, ever since I've been influenced by Hendrix and Cream and all that stuff. So this is pretty much the band I've wanted for all my 20s, and it's finally here. <laughs> so. Oh, my God, you kinda, got it. A band like that just kind of makes you think of just like, wow, makes you think outside the box, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's just like, yes. you know, music doesn't have to necessarily be what everybody perceives it to be it could be anything that you fucking want it to be yeah you know, it and is. it's just very honest and in that you know they probably knew not everybody's gonna dig this but the people that do are gonna be hardcore yeah, for lifers love it. <laughs> exactly and, that, so. and that's what's cool and exactly it's, and, and a lot of his three-piece bands definitely have like a cult following yeah like, yeah like yeah the Rush, first one primus all that stuff the first one that got like really big to me that i can think of that recently has had a lot of airplay, not recently as in the past five years, but previously, was Local H. They were a three-piece band, weren't they? Yeah, they are three-piece. Yeah. And they were more, like, I can't think of a more recent three-piece. Can Like, the White Stripes were, right? Two-piece. Like two they were two-piece. Yeah. Okay. Like St notch up. <laughs> we don't need a bassist. Who needs a bass? Fuck yeah. it. I sing, I play guitar, she drums. Magic Wax needs a bass player. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else you guys got? <laughs> Line them up. I have one final question, still in reference to the band name. <laughs> and this is the last thing that I want to say before we leave. But did the Powerpuff Girls have any influence on your band name? No, but what's the connection there? I forgot. You got to tell me. Oh, Joe, Joe, Joe. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's very. It, it should have like the most influence on this band, but it doesn't. <laughs> I respect that. But uh, '90s Cartoon Network, you can't beat it, right? No. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I like that our, our two bands have things in common. Like, I, um, in my mind, the first thing that I thought of when I heard your band name was Mojo Jojo, the villain from the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> and I can almost guarantee that a lot of people, when they hear Magic Wax, think marijuana. And we have no affiliation with marijuana. So, you know, we're both kind of misnomers there. And there you, you don't partake, though, in that we magic? Never that. <laughs> we never did say that. No comment. No. Okay. We, we're trying to paint a picture, goddammit. But we aren't saying that. We're painting a very bland picture with <laughs> the, the notion that we don't partake. Uh, anyway. Fair enough. That's the smart way to go. <laughs> I think everybody at this table is awesome. <laughs> so um, it's been a genuine pleasure talking. I'm glad he was like, "You guys are awesome." He's a I dick. You. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has been a fucking awesome time, and I think I think we're getting the fuck out of here. So High fives. I, I don't know if I don't know if this is live. No, it's not live. Okay, boom. But definitely um, leave this part in. Where he goes, I'm getting oh, the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. shit. Like, oh, fuck. We went too deep. Uh, pa pa Powerpuff Girls, you know that? Yeah. Um, shit. Magic wax out. Drops Mike. Mm -hmm. I don't think you wanted to drop this. All right, so we will we go into the intimacy of this interview with you guys uh -oh. then. All right. All right, all right. So, so who wants to be the first one in the firing range? Making it sound so nah, it's not that bad. So intimidating. It's not that bad. <laughs> Firing range. Loosen up. Trying I don't to feel like you uh, put them under that. Oh, much they did. Pressure. They 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 went in very. <laughs> they were very dry. It's a
All right, and welcome back to Charm City Music Podcast. And we are here with Mojo Bozo's Electric Circus, who are playing a show September 28th at Angel's Rock Bar down at Power Plant. $10 you can get in, and that $10 will get you free tacos and fucking amazing music. Uh, at this point in the interview with the band, we are going to talk about some of their influences, how they came about into music as people, and musicians and where they started out learning their instruments and and learning about music so who wants to start raise a hand who who, who are we starting with here well uh, i think as far as like how the band started i can kind of kick it off well before we go into the band started i want want you to talk about Mm. you okay about me yes first time you picked up an instrument like when when did you when did you actually realize like music was a thing to you i mean since i was a kid i was always taking through my parents records and uh oddly enough the first instrument i ever played was a keyboard that my dad bought me um i would plug it into uh, my dad's like hi-fi system that he had i would find weird ways to like take this keyboard and make it sound distorted and just like uh, like probably like five or six or something oh wow I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just banging on these keys, and I'd plug it into the stereo and just making weird noises, and I'd play my parents' records, and, um, and it was kind of just for fun. And uh, somehow I ended up um, going to elementary school. We drove this kid, uh, Zach, to school every morning, and he got me into two bands. Okay. What we bands? Uh, Megadeth and uh, Stone Temple Pilots. So this is probably like... You know, early 90s. Right. So, in like 1990, 1991. So I mean, there's a big stretch between there, between STP and Megadeth. Like, yeah. Would yeah. you definitely, I feel like with where your music's at and what you're doing now, mm-hmm. you, did you start out leaning more towards Megadeth or STP? As far as like influencing my playing or what, what, well, like. Uh, yes, influence your playing and, and, and what you, what you listen to the most. Well, the the two albums first off that that really like drew me in you know stp's first record core which i know right. ryan is a, a huge fan of um and then uh megadeth countdown to extinction which was megadeth's kind of venturing into more straightforward territory right so both those albums to me are kind of you know somewhat on the same wavelength even though one's grunge and one's you know metal the, like. the end of thrash metal you could right. say um, not quite thrash because that's not a very fast record for them. But um, that just kind of like got me into just heavier music in general. You know, where before as a kid I was listening to the Beach Boys and the Rip Chords and like, you know, the Beatles, like right. classic rock and surf and stuff like that. WQSR. Um, right, right. <laughs> you know, STP and Megadeth really, you know, got me into heavier and more aggressive music. Um, and I, for me, like with Mojo Bozos, one of my favorite influences for bass playing is STP's bass player, um, Rob DeLeo. Like right. he just crushes it. Um, so that's a big influence for me. And, it, you know, it just really boils down to like having that very early influence. And What was the first song you learned? Now, did you, you start out with bass or did you start off? I you, guitar, yeah. You guitar. So you went I, from keyboard, yeah. like playing with key, keyboards when you were little, to guitar to bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, it, what made that transition between guitar and bass for you? I was just asked to play bass at one point. I, I was 
um, recording a band at the time called Freudian Slip, and I was doing an album for them, and they uh, needed a bass player. Their, their bass player was recording the record with them, but that was like his last thing that he was doing. Um, so they asked me, you know, do you want to play our CD release party? Right. I said, sure, yeah, why not? Um, got through the release, had a lot of fun, um, and just stuck with it and just kept playing bass. And, uh, you know, that band eventually around, I guess, 2011, 2012, you know, we started to wind down and I wanted to go back to playing guitar, played in a couple projects and then, you know, landed here and these guys needed uh, a bass player and uh, filled that spot, you know. So when the transition between guitar and bass mm -hmm. was that a pres it was a pretty easy transition for you and mentally like how did it feel for you to go from guitar to bass? I mean I'm a huge fan of just rhythm in general and drummers and uh, I think if I was more coordinated I'd probably just be a drummer because um, I just love say that, that too loud <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I love like just drum tones and bass tones and just gritty things and I, I don't know I, the transition was easy because I think the way that I play guitar is kind of the way that I also play bass you know I, I like dirty distorted bass tones I like P basses and I love you know like I said you know the bass player of STP is a very mid-rangey grindy kind of bass tone and uh, I think that also can be found in guitar playing so I think they just blend together so do you think was your old band a five piece yeah or no, it was four piece. It was four piece. Yeah. Well, either way, so you had another mm, yeah. member, and do you feel like you have more freedom in a three piece with the bass? It's certainly easier to schedule things. <laughs> just having three people. <laughs> I've played in a five piece before, and it's. I uh, hats off to people that can make that work. Magic Wax has five people, and you know. Right. Bless them for being able to get that many people in a room together, especially musicians. Yeah. But I feel like there's got to be a certain amount of liberation when you're in a three-piece. You've got a drummer, you've got a guitarist, and a bassist. Yeah. Like, you might be able to do a lot more than a bassist in a four- or five-piece can with the material because, really, I mean, when you're looking, you've got your percussion and you've got your two strings. You're, you're one of two strings. I think it puts a little bit more weight on the individual members because you have to make sure that your parts are gelling together right. and, and you have to make sure that what you're writing and what you're playing um, has weight to it and makes sense and works. Um, but it's just easier, <laughs> to be honest. Like, right. uh, you know, I, I don't have like a crazy, spacey, deep meaning to it. Like, just ha being a three-piece, it's, it's easy to write because you don't have you know, four or five people in a room together. It's just the it's three the of us. the opposite of having out. too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. right. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you don't you don't have as many voices in the kitchen. So that's, True. that's, that's good. True. Ingredients. Yeah, you, yeah, the ingredients. What was the first song you played on guitar, you learned to play on guitar, and what was the first song you learned how to play on bass? First song on guitar was probably either something Metallica, probably like... Uh, Master of Puppets or Seek and Destroy or something like that. I um, was a huge Metallica fan growing up. And on bass, uh, man, that's a tough one. The first song I learned on bass is probably the band that I was filling in for. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know yeah. the song. You were like, yeah, I was like, well, I recorded this record. Now i got to learn it. Um, yeah. 
nice. Do you you like? Can you pinpoint a time in your life when, whether it was on guitar or bass, where you were like, you know what, this is this is what I want to fucking do? When I started playing guitar, the my goal, my ultimate goal was just to be able to play a couple songs and play to my friends, to right. be able to have like a couple people over and just jam out with them. And the fact that like, you know, I'm here several bands later with Ryan doing this and talking about music and playing music uh, is crazy to me. Like it, right. it's just awesome, and I I love it. So I wouldn't say there was a time where I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. There was a definitely a time where I was like, this has gone way further than I ever expected it to, and I want to continue this. That's got to feel good, though, like being able to look back and, and just rehash that in your mind and then be like, you know what, I'm here and I'm getting ready to play a show before 100, 200 people right. down in Baltimore. Like, that's got to be a little bit mind-blowing, you know? And it's got to feel good because that, it doesn't sound like you ever picked up a guitar or a bass and been like like thought you'd be where you're at right now i've always you know looked up to musicians and have always you know had a massive um did you ever get discouraged were you ever like oh yeah all the time and, and how, did <laughs> you, how did you overcome that like you, you just push through it hey i mean it's just you so, just keep going so so that kid that's picking up a guitar or a bass right. gu you know bass guitar for the first time that's practiced for a month and is having a hard time. It's like, oh, I still can't get this. Like, what advice would you give them? Ask yourself if the amount of fun that you have exceeds the amount of frustration. Right. And if, if you're constantly frustrated, then maybe it's not the right thing. But if, you know, I think, you know, a, a solid chunk of hard work and frustration uh, has a massive payoff. You know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. But if you just keep at it, and if you feel like the, the reward at the end of the day is worth it and you're truly having fun, then just you gotta, you got to push through. And I, I, I think that's a good point. You've got to push through because I think a lot of people who pick up a, a musical instrument for the first time, they expect it to be something like riding a bike. Like riding a bike you can learn in two to three weeks. Where an instrument, it might take a little bit longer. You might get to a point and be like, oh, God, I fucking suck at this. Right. But that perseveration, perseveration, and, and the passion to carry through. How long would you say it took you with the guitar to get to the point where you could play a song and you were proud and happy with that song that you were playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, a long time. <laughs> I don't know. Are we talking three months, six months, nine months? I mean, when I was learning, it was just bits and pieces of songs, you know? I'd, I'd oh, learn the cool riff from this particular song and the cool riff from this Metallica song and this, you know, whatever. Um, I think it took a while before I really started to appreciate songwriting and realizing, oh, there's more to it than just learning the cool riff, but right. maybe I should learn the rest of it so I can figure out how, how to piece it all together. And I think that's what... Um, to kind of bring it back to advice to the young musician is figure out when it's an appropriate time to join a band. Right. Because you might be a great guitar player, but you also need to be able to get along with people and gel with people and write a song. Um, there's more to it than just having the, the technical ability. And then even when you learn how to do that, you find out, oh, there's more to do than, you know, just learning the guitar and learning how to gel with people. Like, promoting the band social and skills and all that right. stuff. Social skills. Yeah. 
It's because, a lot. And let's be honest, I'm a still lot. trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I don't have any of it figured out. I'm just pretending to. And I don't think any musicians do. Like it's it's part of the reason why I think people join a band is to right. let stuff out there that we can't sit at a table together and talk about, put it out there and vent, and then have other people connect with it and say, God, I feel that way too. So when you talk about you know somebody that's learned how to play guitar, somebody singing, and you've got a band together. You don't necessarily, when you're learning how to play that instrument, think, okay, well, after this, I've got to go out and be social to get to the next level where I want to be. And, like, ticket sales or just going out and getting to know your crowd, your fan base. So one of the things that I just talked to Magic Wax about off the podcast was an important aspect of that is I've seen a lot of bands they play a show, they get off stage, you're like, oh, I love that, you know, you know, somebody who watched it will come and be like, I love that song. And they'll be like, oh, thank you very much. But to give that fan a different experience and take it the extra mile, you kind of have to be like, well, you know, what reaches you about that song? What's your perspective on that? Why do you like that song? And that's kind of something that doesn't come along with learning the instrument and, and gelling as a band. That's something taking it to the next level at that point. So have you guys had any, have you had any instances where somebody's come up to you and, and been like, hey, this is my favorite song? Like, how did you respond to that, that fan? I mean, this band in particular, we're pretty new. We started uh, early this year, um, played a, a couple shows. So I don't know if we've had that experience in this <laughs> band in particular. Um, but, you know, just speaking from... But past you, bands, but that's good uh, though, it's, it's incredibly, uh, it's kind of like overwhelming, <laughs> to so be you honest. Know what? The cool thing is, and, and I'm, I thank you for being very humble and admitting right. that, because you're going to be there. You're going to have somebody that comes up, it's like, oh my God, I love that song. I love that song. And I think the important aspect of that is, we just talked about how you progressed and how you grew as a musician. For me, going to all these shows down in Baltimore, and, and I'm 30 years old, I'm a geezer, I've seen how a lot of bands respond to people that are like, oh, I love this song, I love your music. Take that extra step. Be like, you know, what, what did you love about it? What did you connect with? What lyrics did you connect with the most? What guitar riff? What bass riff? What, what drum riff? Find that shit out and, and get into their heads because not only is that going to make them like, oh my God, these people want to know my opinion, but it's also going to help you create and form music down the road. That's, that's my opinion on mm -hmm. it. I could be Full completely circle. wrong. Somebody out there listening to this right now might be like, oh my fucking God, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But, so, who were some of your main influences outside of Megadeth and STP growing up? Like, before them. So you said you listened to the Beatles and, you know, kind of like the stuff you, your parents play, like listened to on the radio, right? Uh, I mentioned before some of the so the San Francisco bands and just sixty stuff in general being a heavy influence. But um, how did you get into that though? Because that's that's not something that you turn on the radio and you hear. Like those are bands that were connected to bands that you liked prior. I think um, <clears throat> a combination of growing up in the household and being raised kind of on the side from my grandmother and kind of going over to my uncle's house with my dad. Those two combinations right there just turned me on to so much great music from before my time right. that 
to this day has stuck with me and I've always kind of identified with. And uh, kind of like I said before, I feel like I'm, I'm the most happy so far with this project of giving a uh, tip of the cap to that stuff, but also taking it somewhere where I would like to, you know, right. putting some of my own influence into it. But, but yeah, I was definitely heavy influenced by a lot of the 60s and 70s bands. Now, what was the first song you learned to play? I think I want to say your stereotypical smoke on the water kind of deal. <laughs> that's that's fine though. And, There's nothing uh, wrong with that. I basically got into it. I used to. Uh, I think before I was playing guitar, I was pretty heavily into like drawing and stuff and sketching. And I think my uncle John gave my brother uh, like a knockoff Les Paul, like when I was about ten years old. And as a kid, when like y your older sibling has something cool, you like you don't only want you only want that you want your own. Right. So I didn't even know that I could play guitar, but I just knew that I wanted my own guitar <laughs> at age ten. So it was just this weird unspoken thing. And now is that I, your brother, the the drummer? The drummer, yeah. So yeah, he ended up the classic story of switching over to drums, but uh, he's also a great you know, rhythm, some lead guitar player, and he taught me some of my first chords and stuff, even though he's a drummer. But, um, yeah, it was just that funny kind of sibling, like, oh, I think I'd like one of those right. kind of thing. And uh, it was just kind of a weird thing. I didn't know why I wanted it or what I could do with it, but I knew that it was See, necessary. And that's amazing. So you were attracted to it, and you didn't necessarily know what it was about. But yeah. it, was that, it was that image, and just like you had a connection to it. Like, I want to fucking learn I think this. I made those first couple stabs at copying some songs, and even from the get-go, I was kind of just making my own stuff and seeing what I liked, starting off one string at a time, and then my brother showed me how to cha do chords, and that just like opened up a whole door of opportunities to experiment with so that just led to years of harassing my neighbors and, and you and your brother kind of i feel like kind of propelled each other into this for sure that was like a uh friendly kind of i don't know how to word it like his influence but like you know we want to like kind of outdo each other and you know he he was, he was my older brother growing up, and so he was already doing the band thing, and right. so from a younger guy looking up to him, I, I knew that, like, oh, I, maybe I'd like to do that. I'd like to be in bands and have that kind of close group of friends right. and your own little thing, and I wanted to be a part of that. So, And I was always, like, the younger brother. He was always in bands, and I was always too young to be in them and stuff, and I finally got to that age where it was like, oh, I, he was like, oh, I think I'll use my brother as my guitar player, you know? So, so, so you guys grew up... Haven't looked back since. You grew up in the same household. How did you, yes. How did you? the three of you meet then? So <clears throat> my brother was in another band called Mean C with Jeremy, and I wanted to get in that too. Um, so I have, like, obviously influences of, like, how I got my playing to where it's at now. But in a more recent picture, um, I had taken a year off and bought like a caravan, was traveling down south, and I was playing a lot of acoustic music, which I um, did that on your own. You were like, yeah. fuck it. I'm <laughs> yeah, I kind of hit a wall and I kind of <laughs> I love that. I kind of just like uh, needed to get out for a minute and uh, just tried something different. I was always in right. bands for since I was 16. And you made a killer. I made a record called uh, Gypsy Jazz Record. <laughs> yeah, I was doing some Gypsy Jazz stuff. Yeah. I made a record called Nowhere to Be. Where can people find that now? Uh, Bandcamp uh, under ryanwalshmusic.bandcamp.com. Uh, so but um, so anyways, yeah, I took a year off and was doing some acoustic stuff. And uh, 
that was kind of the the nice spark about starting this band. It was it was kind of like after. I mean, electric guitar was always my go-to. Is always what I look at myself as as an electric guitar player, but. For whatever reason, I took a year off and started doing some acoustic music, which I was not really accustomed to. I, I'd always play acoustic when I'm home, late at night or something, but I, w I would never like put it on an album kind of thing. Right. And uh, but yeah, it's, I just kind of wanted to go down a different avenue, so I put put out an acoustic album. But after doing that for a year and doing some covers at bars and stuff, um, and taking some time off from the electric guitar, it was like. And also, I, I hit a point where I was playing for almost 18 years, you know, and I was kind of looking for that new door to open or that new thing to just, like, really light a spark under my ass right. and wanted to pick up a guitar, which, uh, so yeah, after, after not really picking up the electric for a year, almost two years, I kind of was coming out to some of these Mean Sea mean, mean shows that uh, my brother and Jeremy were playing, and I just I was just like, man, like... So they hooked up while you were away. Like they yeah, yeah, they got some stuff going, and they, within a year, were really firing on all cylinders and getting some, getting some good crowds. And it just kind of reminded me, like, man, this is like, this is what I'm all about: playing rock shows and you right. know, like, playing with good bands and I don't know, just just playing electric guitar and playing with my brother too, having him on drums again. It was like, it just kind of on the side kind of lit a fire under my ass and I was just like, you know, this is this is who I am. Like, I want to be in a band with other people instead of playing solo and yeah, I just missed that whole, like, that brotherhood and friendship, you know. It's like, I, I kind of needed that in my life again after taking two years off. But I have to say something, like, how, like, that had to take a lot of courage for you to go out with an acoustic guitar because like you just said, your, your heart was electric. It was it was kind of courage and at the same time I was completely terrified. It was almost I don't know what to do next. Let's just try it. Because it's know? not like you were just like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna start doing acoustic shit. You're like, I'm gonna do acoustic shit and fucking do it like far away from home. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So like, what? Okay, so when he's out on the road and he's he's doing that with acoustic stuff, right? You and his brother had a band. Yeah. We have a band called I Still Mean do. C, still do. And uh, oh, so, so, what is it called again? Mean C. And where can people find Mean C on Facebook? Meanc.com, which yeah. will direct you to social media and everything, or you know, at Mean C Music right. on Instagram. Um, so we had that going uh, while Ryan was away and doing his thing in Florida and playing. Um, where does Mean C kind of? ended the cycle with the EP that we put out and played a bunch of shows and promoted it. Um, that's when Ryan was coming back to Maryland. Now, did you guys plot when you knew he was coming back? Like, no, it was like totally, totally just, random. <laughs> uh, perfect timing, like literally. Um, so I can remember the conversation that I that's had with That's what Shane. I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. You know, his brother called me up one night and said, hey, you know, I just found out, like, Ryan's coming back to town. You know, I know Mean C is going to be working on this new record, and we're going to have some downtime. You know, in the meantime, do you want to play some more rock and stuff that's a little bit more, like, heavier? And I was like, yeah, I love, I mean, I love yeah, heavy stuff. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Mean C, mean C is more, like, punk kind of stuff. Okay. Maybe even venturing towards pop punk. Um, and, and Shane and I have a, you know, and Ryan, of course, have, like, a huge, huge 
fondness for like Pantera and you know like I said earlier Megadeth and STP and stuff like that. So Shane was like, "We're trying to play some heavy rock and stuff." Right. I'm like, "Yeah, sure. I'm in. <laughs> I'm up for that." And he's like, "Well, we need a bass player, and you can play bass." He did that in Freudian Slip. So actually, sign me up. Yeah, we actually I can play some bass. We actually played a show together. 10 plus years ago yeah. on your old band and 40 and slip so we kind of low key go way back yeah, so you already you already had a connection yeah. there so yeah, they knew yeah. I could play bass yeah. um, so I said sure why not and that's kind of how it started a phone call and then you know we started jamming I think the first time we got in a room together was we, we played twice together and got yeah. into the studio and made this record holy yeah. shit <laughs> we knew that's what we wanted to do so. But, but th that, that was a long time building, too. Like, it seems like everything just, like you said, came together at Very the right quickly, time. yeah. Now, who, who writes the lyrics for the band? Uh, I do. Okay. And, and a lot of your influences for the songwriting, like, what are your songs primarily about? Um, kind of all over the place. The one, out of how sporadic it is, I, I would say the one common theme that applies on a couple songs is is touching on like having having problems with like uh, a little bit of anger and just like right. tenseness and uh, and kind of relying on like friendship and just like stuff like that to, to kind of be there for you and kind of guide you up. through through that stuff. Right. So now now who sent me the three songs that we're gonna use on the podcast? <coughs> and what three songs were they? Uh, Some kind of magic, which is unreleased and actually comes out tomorrow it's a brand new single oh shit you're yep. kidding me it's coming out tomorrow yeah, yeah we have a new single coming out in uh, a couple hours you know oh less my than god a, you know, we should have done this a week ago <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck yeah so that that actually actually will be the third and final single before our album comes out on October 19th next month sweet um, so there's some kind of magic um, that's kind of a it's, yeah. that's kind of a bit lighter than some of the stuff we put out so far so and since uh, that one's not released yet, what I, I don't want you to go into the lyrics or give anything away, but what is that song about? Like, what inspired that song? That's just an old-fashioned love song, stripped down, nothing too crazy, just a song about admiring somebody and pretty straight up and honest. There's not a ton of metaphorical right. lyricism there. It's just pretty straightforward. There's a lot of people like, hear it, they're going to they're gonna be like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> it's, it's also not like a, a cheesy love song it's got kind of a it's kind of like some melancholy stuff going on there but yeah it's got some like loungy kind of surfy vibes going on so it, 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 it's it, still minor key I so get it makes sense. you wonder. I get the sense is you know I like this girl I'm checking her out she seems to be into me this is just the way things are fucking going right now it's going smooth it can go south or it can go north but it looks like it's going north it was kind of a nice uh, like refreshing breath in the middle of the album to like I said we're on a couple of the songs touch on a little bit of uh, just how and how to deal with negative thoughts and stuff on your own and, and relying on friends but but yeah this is a nice just kind of breath of fresh air this is just about something positive and just something you know what? About I can, I, I, something <laughs> I can't wait to hear that because that's something that's something I can relate to a lot right but at now the same time life. the chord changes are very minor key so there's a very like mysterious uncertainty to it you you don't know if it's all the picture that you're seeing you know right right but that but, that makes a lot of sense and I can relate to that <laughs> so much right now so I can't wait to hear it and, and that's coming out when, when is it coming out tomorrow and tomorrow hour. yeah 
in Technically an hour. You guys, like, you've got it scheduled. You're yeah. like, so it's just going to drop on the internet in an hour. Like, your brother's not sitting at home waiting to hit that uh, button and drop it. Far asleep. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so is it going to pop up on Facebook? Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Music, all the all the, all the goods. Things. All right. So I want you both to take a step back, okay? You're sitting on a podcast right now, okay? In an hour, your new single is going to drop on the internet, mm-hmm. and it sounds like neither of you are going to raise a finger, or your brother who's in the band. How good does that feel? Raise a finger like how? Like the hit post. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will take care of itself. Is that stuff already? That's kind of already automatic. This guy is putting in so much work. Me and Shane just sit back and just, oh, that's nice. Oh, that sounds good. So we know who the workhorse is. <laughs> the magic of computers allows you to schedule it. Yeah. Sweet. So I, I yeah, know on the way home right. I'll be listening to that song. There you go. I can't wait. So we're going to end the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need to know. All right. So release songs. Okay. All right. The songs that you've released. So, so far we got Keep It Alive out, which was our second single, and Paranoia. Uh, Keep It Alive was one of the ones I was telling you about, about just kind of being a little bipolar, but right. <coughs> looking for other solutions other than pharmaceuticals, more just right. classic, you know, let's talk this stuff out kind of deal. And you see, like, I, I appreciate that because with me, um, when it comes to mental health and stuff like that, I don't always, I'm not somebody who believes take this pill me neither is what's going to make you better my philosophy is like somebody who's labeled bipolar or has adhd or whatever stigma you want to attach to them that's not something wrong with that person that's something wrong with the world around them understanding how that person perceives things and operates is that kind of like connecting to what the song's about a little bit, and even though it's about some negative stuff, and overall I think it's a positive song. Like, I, I wanted to put it out to, you know, if other people can hear the lyrics, relate to it, and right. I, I wanted to put it out there that it's, you know, it's not cheesy to reach out to a friend or it's not lame. Like, it's, it's right. totally normal and necessary, and I feel like something we maybe lack today with social media and stuff, it's, it's not so common to just call your friend on the phone and say, hey, I need to just talk to somebody or work this out. Right. If you don't, it's just going to build up in your head. It builds and it's up. It's just going to well, turn into this ugly thing. And so. that's how bad things happen. So. You know, and that's, that's, I don't know if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, but I'm somebody, I've been through a lot in life. And there's been points where I've been like, I need to talk to somebody. Yeah. And nobody's there. And like you said, with social media, instant gratification, self Everybody's so independent and, you know, it's, it's not a very cool in thing to do to reach out to a buddy, but it's... Right. Totally normal. You but know. then, and then, like, in a situation where something bad does happen, everyone kind of takes a step back and they're like, oh my God, I feel like I could have prevented this. I mean, I had a friend recently who committed suicide. And my first thought was, why the fuck didn't I do more? Why didn't I ask more questions? Yeah. And I try to keep myself in that mindset when I interact with, like, meeting you guys for the first time, kind of, you know, get what you guys are feeling in life. Whereas, Prior to that, it was like, okay, I sent something, but I kind of went on with my life, you know? And looking back at that experience, I can continue to do that pattern, or I can break it and be like, you know what? When I interact with people, I need to pay more attention and care more about them. 
would you say some of that is is in that song? For sure, yeah, and, and wanting maybe some of that in return right. from, from other people, you know. And and that's that's important because that's to me that's that's probably would you say one of your deepest songs? It's it's probably getting there. Yeah, I've never been too much of a deep lyrical writer. I've always just considered myself a guitar player, and this is even one of the first couple of bands I've sang in. But yeah, I, I feel like a couple of these songs on this record, I definitely, for the most part, were feeling some pretty intense feelings right. and was able to, you know, get it out. And and that's part of the reason I just want why people to relate, you know. Exactly, and that's part of the reason why I like to ask bands when they come on, what is this song about? Because Anybody hearing that, like, you could make them think differently than if they didn't know the meaning behind that song. Yeah. And and for you, like, I give you a lot of credit, both of you, because that's, like, personal stuff. And by putting it out there, people connect with you, and they connect with the, the lyrics, the music, they like the song. And then it gives the... It, you could completely give somebody a different perspective on life by a song that you yeah. guys wrote. So let's talk a little bit about the songwriting process. Now, you're you're writing the lyrics to the songs? Yes. When you do that, like, what does that look like for you? It's a little bit of a blur. I feel like usually the music will kind of come first, and uh, it, it can kind of go either way. You're either, you're either putting together the lyrics, trying to fit syllables in a certain way, right. or it's just from something like that that is just 100% an experience and a thought it's and an ex right. yeah, it's, and you're getting it out that way. So, or it's a combination of the two. <laughs> you know? Right. But um, yeah, I feel like on this record, more than anything I've ever done, it's 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 stuff that I can personally relate to, and it's it's stuff that is healing to get across and put into music rather than just talk about anything. Right. And, and see, I I tend to like prefer bands that have more of a writing aspect like you do where it means something to you you know um not saying i don't like bands who might make a silly song or yeah. you know not look introspectively but kind of look at things outward but to me a songwriter and a band who comes up with stuff where they're really dealing with problems inside is a band that i gravitate to because i know in that music that's a feeling that you have inside that you're putting out there because you're looking for somebody to relate to you. And when somebody does relate to you, it usually ends up helping that other person. So when I brought up earlier, you know, when you do a show and you ask, well, what, what connected with you on that? Your reward after doing a show and somebody saying, hey, I love that song, it's fucking awesome, is not being like, hey, you know, thank you very much for coming to our show and buying our album. Do you want to buy a shirt? Well, why did you like that song? Because that's your return on the investment of putting your emotions out there. And you ask that question, you might have somebody say, well, you know what? I listened to that song when I was really down and it saved my life. And that would mean the fucking world to you. Exactly. Yeah. And that might inspire your next song and that might inspire that person to go out, start a band, and write something that inspires you. It's even been nice for me because I've always been a person to keep a lot of stuff inside and right. not really express anything so it's kind of nice to be able to secretly express these things in lyrics where I might not literally reach out to right. my friend it's an outlet <laughs> it's just a way of doing it it is an outlet and and as much as like when you think about a lot of the the deep songs that you've written when you put them out there 
you don't know how people are going to receive it. And in the back of your head, you're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm putting this out there. People aren't going to necessarily know it's about this or about yeah. me. But when you put it out there and it's received, it's received well and people connect. And if you're doing it from the heart and from the place that you're telling me you do, people are going to connect with it. That's what, that's what really latches people on to a band or music and has them fall in love with it. When it's not just this, it's real. It's real to them. And you might have 100 people in the room and only 60 people of them connect with it and get it. But if you're being real about it, you're going to help somebody else, and that's what the music is about. And, and you're going to help yourself in the long run, too. For sure. I feel like it's a blessing in disguise because I've never been a very good, like, metaphorical lyricist, but right. it, it's by accident just kind of has that, like, heart-on-your-sleeve kind of vibe. And just most of what I say is pretty... It's not hard to realize what I'm talking about. Right, and... and it, that's a good thing, though, because people don't need to sit there and fucking decode for decode a year. Decipher. <laughs> and time for it these days. But the thing is, you could write a song, you know, where somebody <clears throat> thinks it's about this deep moment and it's really not. Yeah, I mean, and it's inevitable. It the wrong way. <laughs> or you could write a song where it's about something really deep and they're like, oh, well, that's kind of a fun song and not get it. So there are a couple songs on this uh, record that I like to. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a theme, but I like to kind of do sometimes where it's like a song title or lyrics will have kind of like a double meaning. Like we have a song called Contact okay. and uh, our second song on the record. And if you listen to the chords, it's kind of like David Bowie kind of space rock chords. And with the title Contact, you'd put together, oh, this might be about aliens or something, you know. Right. But then if you listen to the lyrics, it's quite literally about staying in contact with somebody. But we didn't strive from the fact right. that we're playing some kind of spacey kind of chords to go with the title and get you Did in that you write mood. like that, though? Like, oh, totally you... intentionally. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Give me some of the lyrics right now. Uh, so, again, you'll hear how straightforward they are. It, um, so, there, if you're ever feeling lonely... Uh, or if you're ever feeling like you're all alone, I can always be your friend, call you on the phone... We needed some time. You can't pretend it's fine. Dude, like, okay, so you guys had a budget with the music video. I almost feel like you would take the contact with Space Aliens, like... Video. If we had a budget. <laughs> and it's funny because the lyrics, like, if you just hear the lyrics, it doesn't paint the full picture. Like, when you hear the vocal and the way that it's recorded, it has this super creepy kind of thing going on. It just, it almost has, like, a... It's very eerie sci-fi eerie vibe like somebody like an alien speaking to you now when behind you guys, your head kind when of you thing guys recorded on. that did you do that on purpose like, oh yeah we went wild with that see <laughs> I, even the audio will kind of live up to that i that like vibe. i like that the like the fact that you guys kind of like you knew what the song was about but you wanted to distract from it yeah know, and make, make it people, weird make it weird and make people like kind of more well, is that what, what what is this song about and uh, so our other single, Paranoia, first song we released, kind of has that same thing going for it. <coughs> like, uh, on one hand, it's quite literally about paranoia. And also, when I was talking about, you know, buying an RV and moving down south and being away from family, there's a line that it opens up the album that's woke up in a cold sweat. I was not sure where home's at. Right. And that's quite literal, 
literal to what I was experiencing last year, a couple years ago. I, would, I was traveling around. There's plenty of times where I woke up and had no idea where I was. And on the first hand, it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of creepy, kind of right. not where in the next line's not sure where home's at. And, uh, and is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Because on the one hand, I wake up and be kind of like, oh, I, I don't feel at home. I, I feel very far away from everybody. I don't know where I'm at. But on the other hand, is this a good thing It's like, or a bad thing? It's like, is this kind of adventurous kind of, oh, well, I'm out here. Like, I, I feel good about it. I at least feel like I'm doing something with my life, you know? Do you realize what a unique experience that is that you captured in a song? But I forgot to get back. The <laughs> second thing that ties into it, so it's also about that, and it was low-key also the visual I was kind of picturing in my head was, like, influenced by 28 Days Later, one of my favorite zombie movies of all time. Right. So woke up in a cold sweat. I was not sure where home's at is also the opening scene of 28 Days Later of a guy waking up in a hospital bed right. in the apocalypse, not knowing what's going on. So it's like there's to two totally different stories that are kind of tied into this. One that's actually my life and one that's just one of my favorite movies. Wow. <laughs> and was that one of your favorite movies before you wrote that song? Or like yeah, well, as far as like horror movies and, and as far as like modern stuff, I think it's one of the best modern that's, horror you know, movies. You guys are the first band that I've interviewed who has been able to say, well, my song kind of has two meanings. Like For sure, yeah. Two stories to it, two <laughs> meanings. And it kind of, as the song goes along, it could really... Uh, uh, it, it could really tie into both stories all the way. I mean, there's another line that it's been days and I've still yet to see a face. That's still tied right. to 28 days later. He goes on for a while without seeing human contact, but that was also the life I was living when I was down south and I didn't have any friends or family. Yeah, it's from been everyone. days since I've seen a familiar face, you know? So when, when he brings these lyrics to these songs to the table and, and you're sitting there and you're, you're waiting to you know, form, well, you've already formed the melody and stuff. Like, what are your thoughts when, when he brings this to the table, these lyrics? I think especially the two songs he's mentioning, Contact, which has, like, the kind of alien vibe going on, and Paranoia, which has the 28 Days Later, um, they resonate with me because, A, I know what he's singing about relates to him, but I also, you know, I love the kind of sci-fi and weird element to it. Right. I love that old school, like, almost, uh, I don't know, vintage sci-fi, almost kind of white zombie thing going on there. Um, it's just in my wheelhouse. Now, with you, know? you knowing that the, these lyrics are very personal, okay, mm -hmm. is there ever a point, and how do you handle it when you're like, well, maybe, I think maybe you might want to think about changing this word or this verse, or even your brother. Like, how does that conversation happen? Because you're bringing something to the table that's from your heart and, and, and it's creative. And I'm sure you seem like a very open-minded person. So if somebody gave you feedback, you'd be like, oh, okay. But from your perspective or his brother's perspective, like, if there's something that needs to be changed in those lyrics, like, has that ever happened? Or do you? how do you go about it? No. I've never, I've never critiqued your lyrics at all. I mean... Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think there's a good balance of, of the content being like, uh, and I get pretty nitty gritty with, with stuff. I mean, right. when it comes to like guitar stuff and tones, I t definitely like, you know, throw my input in and try and, you know. Right. Because you want um, the, you want to make the best product you can. Yeah. But lyrically, like, I, th I feel like you strike a good balance uh, between 
speaking emotionally and, and writing about stuff that's going on, but also still having like this kind of almost tongue-in-cheek kind of right. storytelling thing going on, which makes it easier because you don't have to be, you don't have to like put on a front and like try and make this big ordeal about it. Like the lyrics are to the point and understandable and so I, I've had no, you know. That's got to make you feel fucking amazing. Well, likewise with the music, I mean, and the instrumentation, I mean, everything everybody's been bringing to the table out of anything I've ever worked on has just been like, yep, this checks out, this is this is what we want to do, and it's just been easy peasy. Now, you see, <laughs> you and your brother, I get that, your brothers. I, I Like, that, I'd almost I'd be like, okay, well, your brother's got a pass. Like, you guys, you know, you're, you're going to like the same, not necessarily the same thing, but, you know, you're going to kind of get each other. But you have a third member of the fucking band here who just said when you bring lyrics to the table, like, not once has he been like, well, we should change this. Yeah. Like, I think when I got into the into his recording studio at his place and just saw all the artwork he had hung up, I was like, oh, we're going to get along. We have <laughs> very similar <laughs> interests and vibes and just the whole thing. Well, let's, just, let's talk about that a little bit, your first experience of going over there. like, Well, like I said, before going into recording, we had played two times together. So yeah, right. going into the studio, we're still like... Uh, so, like, learning stuff about each other yeah. and, you know, warming up. And even even the song Paranoia is recorded in that process of getting warmed up, you know. Right. Like, you weren't even, like, firing on all cylinders. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like still super happy with it. So, it. so if, if you each had to pick a favorite song out of your set that's going to be coming up at Mayhem, what would it be? Ooh. And why? And why? Not just... What would it be? But why? What? I think what we all agree on contact being the contact uh, might be my favorite song on the record. And if your brother was here, would he say contact too? I think me and my brother are both fans of Keep It Alive, our second single. Okay. Um, I think playing that live is is definitely a highlight of the set. Yeah. But for you, it's contact. Yeah, both recorded and live. Because the thing about contact for me is that it kind of shows all of the elements of the band in one song. It starts off, kind of creeps in. It's got, you know, some super weird sci-fi feeling, creepy right. kind of vocals, and then it rips into, like, this it, straight surf rock. Like <laughs> It encompasses everything you're yeah, about. Yeah, it gets into, it's like, definitely a, a surf It's rock definitely a journey, kinda, the whole song, and it's not it long, and it doesn't drag on, but it's oh, just I a short, a short sweet live. journey. I cannot wait to fucking hear this live. <laughs> All right, and, and for you, so you said, he said contact, and you said? Um, I think if we're, like, listening to the record, I might go with contact as well, our second song on the record, but um, playing live, I feel like it might be a thing that changes every night, because <laughs> there's so many moments in our set that but I, I just enjoy that. the whole time. <laughs> I can get that, and that might be a little bit different for you as somebody who's written the lyrics, because one day you could go into a set relating to one song better than the other, and it's the, those lyrics are coming from you. But at the same time, with him being the bass player, like, one day those, like, a certain song could mean more to him because that's what he's experiencing, that's what he's going through in life. For sure. But he, he kneeled down contact, so he's I like, think probably, where my fucking head's at. I think yeah. it would sum up, like, uh, I mean, we have a, a, a bunch of different influences and sounds, but I think it would sum up our sound. Yes. For sure. So what are you guys' plans for the future? 
Uh, just keep playing. We're, we're going to release this record out on October 19th, Electric Circus, or whatever we're deciding to call it. Something <laughs> along those lines. Something yeah. along those lines, but <laughs> we know we're ready to have it out. And yeah. uh, luckily it's been a thing. I've, I've had situations before where albums can tend to drag on in the in the process. But right. Well, this, you guys this, definitely this has been like such a happen. short suite. We just got together. We got it written quickly. We got it laid down quickly. And now we're playing shows. And that's that's our next, uh, what we're looking at is just playing as many shows as possible. Playing with great bands like Magic Wax and Medusa's Disco. Leo Cygnus. So your new album is coming out. Like, what is the graphics and cover art? Like, where are you going for that? Or when are you designing it? Or... We had a good friend of ours, um, his name's Joe Nasatka, and he, uh, he goes by Joe One, and he works at uh, Orange Tattoo Company out of Annapolis, and he's kind of into the same music that we're into, and uh, I reached out to him, and he said he would love to do an, an album cover for us, so he actually painted oh, an nice. 18 yeah. by 18 Holy fucking um, shit. piece for <laughs> us, yeah, so we, we kind of did a two-step process, we took these photos, um, of us together, and then we sent him the photos, and then he painted us in this whole. I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but I think um, he captured a lot of uh, just the whole album, you know, yeah, album. lyrics and vibe and the sci-fi side of it. And yeah, definitely yeah. don't spoil it. But that's yeah. that's I, like, <laughs> sure. I've heard enough. Put it that way. <laughs> and if I've heard enough people listening, like yeah, yeah. don't spoil it. I kind of wanted an album cover that if you looked at it, you knew that somebody painted it same with the name you know yeah wow god damn that's awesome so so you guys are you've recorded the new album mm -hmm. how many songs are on it 13 13 holy shit no i love that because a lot of bands put out eps and they've got like five or six songs yeah. 13 fucking and you're we actually had too much yep. we cut some off you cut some. We had to cut some off. You were like thirteen. Had a, double thirteen album. had a nice unlucky ring to it, and I uh, just felt like a sophomore release. We're going double album right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I would, I would be like, my dick's that big. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, okay, so you produced it. Yeah. Now, as far as like being in a band, like when did you start producing shit? Like, that's not like, well, oh, I'm gonna do this. You went to school at home mixing right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here instead. <laughs> Uh, working overtime. Yeah, I mean, we we've just been at it. Like literally, uh, like Ryan was saying earlier, we we practiced a couple times early in the year, jumped in the studio in April, wrote and recorded the album, and now we're like cramming some mixing in. Um, so it's been a very busy. But producing's not just something you can be like, oh, we need a producer. Right. Like you've obviously like. Well, and he's laying down bass too on top yeah. of that. Yeah, laying down <laughs> bass. I mean, recording's like, a huge passion of mine. I've went to school for audio production um i'm just gonna let him edit this podcast i mean it's just something i love like i've always been as much as you know i love playing instruments i love just getting into you know the 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 sound of you know drum tones and guitar right. tones and bass tones and 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 guitar amps like i i just love if i had a million dollars i'd just buy you know a dozen Marshall amps and right. just compare them all and record them all. It, it's just the geek, geeky side of me coming out. That's, um, that's, that's one thing I've been blown away by is even 
before we were a band and the idea of you know wanting him in the band i knew i already knew of his his tech side that he was so good at and i was like oh that would be a good thing to have and on top of that i've been just blown away by his playing on a sun side which is totally awesome that is you have a brilliant (laughs) fucking awesome bass player but the movie's also a shredder (laughs) by the way he produce albums (laughs) but yeah the more and more we've been laying stuff down i'm like you know this boy can play too so it's been a blast see that that blows me away the fact that you can produce an album with 13 songs and you're in the fucking band i kind of didn't realize when i asked him to record how much of a task it would be. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I haven't yeah. recorded a full length in a long time. <laughs> you know, I was surprised. <laughs> well, 13 <laughs> songs, oh my yeah. God. How long did it take to record that? I was, you know, up, was up until yesterday. A couple months. A couple months. <laughs> couple months. Did you guys start when you were 10? No. <laughs> yeah. no. I'm an old man now. <laughs> no, I, I, for the first time, I was in a recording studio with Tony Corelli down in Essex mm-hmm. with being good, Goodbye July. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd actually seen a recording experience in mm-hmm. real life. And what that band was, like, the band was so good about it. But me and Tony, Tony wasn't like, that sucked, let's try it again. He'd right. be like, that was perfect, but I want you to try to do this here. He was always very positive. But what I noticed, like, if I were in that situation, I would have lost my fucking shit. <laughs> I would have been like... We've done this five times already. <laughs> and five's being nice because Tony, and, like, and I'm sure you get this as a right. producer, that fifth time might be good, but you're looking for fucking perfect. And if I can get the person to do this 12 times and go back and be like, you know what, that fifth time was good. I like that. But I'm glad I, I at least wanted to see what else they had in them. Like that, I would get frustrated. I would. I feel like we've done a good job of not driving stuff into the ground on this record. We got a lot of second takes on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it also helps with him being in the band and and having a connection to you guys where you just kind of know when, hey, this, this was fucking good. A lot of times what we would do is we would record, you know, we'd lay down the instrumentals and we'd track, you know, spend a day working on a particular song. And then we would sit back and listen to the vocals, and then Ryan might come back in and say, "Hey, let me take another stab at that," and we lay them down again, and just not, you know, not being afraid to just say, "Hey, I felt like I gave it my all yesterday, but let's try it again and see if we can get something right. different." And I think that's where a lot of bands just kind of like, not necessarily fall short, but like you lay something down and you kind of convince yourself that it's really good, right. but if you just give it another shot and see what else might happen, you might end up with something that's that's even better. And see, I, I admire you guys, and just like Goodbye July, I admire them, because I, I've only sang live before, I've never recorded, and after seeing Goodbye July doing what they're doing, like, I know if I were in a recording studio, I'd be like, oh my fucking god. It no, depends, I'm like some people just, you know, some people are killer at singing live, they get out there in front of the crowd, and they're not afraid of that, and they just crush it. And then they get in the studio and they can't deal with the tediousness of See, and that's take how I feel take like I am. Take and like the, the adrenaline takes over when I'm out. And in front sometimes of it. it's the other way. Some people, you know, have a rough time singing live, and the, but when they're in the studio, they have like a super creative and detail-oriented mind, and they can make it sound good there. What do you What do you guys prefer doing, playing live or in, in the studio? Well, mm-hmm. typically playing live would be my go-to, but. Recording with him has been like a complete cakewalk because you guys life changing experience as far as that because it's uh, yeah it's just been fun 
And uh, I think I think free time has been something that's been such a huge thing that's contributed to the writing aspect of this record and getting it down. Right. Like, um, number one, not being, you know, in a paid studio session where we're just rushing to get anything down yeah, and, stress, then, and then right. we're just, we're calling it quits. Like, being at his place, we actually have time. And I don't want to, like make it sound like we spent forever making this record like we, a lot of this stuff comes naturally but we do have time to to t to take it apart and dissect things yeah, you're and not as under the gun and still have fun with it charged by the hour you know and same <laughs> thing with no the, i no, i definitely and that that takes a whole lot of pressure yeah. you know that takes a lot of pressure off you guys as a band and might give you a little bit more time that yeah. where you guys say like the next day, he comes in. He's like, you know what? That was good, but I want to try it one more time. I think we can get something. Right. That enables you to do that. And even, like, the writing process, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but, like, me personally, I had taken a step back from my corporate kind of job set up to where I'm working and trying to do this on the side. I kind of took some time off and wanted to make this playing music more of a focus, and I kind of made the decision to make less money but have more time and I feel like that decision was paid a huge contribution to the, the writing process of this record because I actually had the time to get this stuff out and and to seek out things to influence me and I mean, you're also doing something you love exactly opposed yeah. to something you hate for somebody else <laughs> for sure <laughs> but but it just in in, in other progress projects I've had it, it it was that vibe of trying to squeeze it into your schedule right and with this it's just been like this is the most focus out of anything I've worked on for sure that's beautiful man. because I had the time for it <laughs> good good but you also had to make changes in your life for sure and, it, for and it. you know some rough things may happen along the way and it you might not be the way you want it to go but like you said the thing that I love is up front and present in my life at the moment and I couldn't be more happy to have the stuff out and be playing shows. And you know what, congratulations. Thank you. Because you know what, the, you kind of, I think, minimize the thought process as to how you're here, how you're on this podcast right now. A lot of people don't have the fucking courage to take the steps that either of you have taken, your brother. They will just complacently go through life in that nine-to-five job and just accept it. I will say I want to give Shane some credit. He's raising uh, his newborn son oh and uh, working 60 hours a week and just absolutely crushing it on drums for us and yeah. taking shows out of state and not saying no to stuff, and it's been awesome. So. And, and you know what? Because what's enabling him to do that is he has responsibilities, and he's taking on those responsibilities, but at the same time his passion for what he's doing, he knows it's going to pay off. And this guy, too, working crazy hours and recording when he gets off. I mean, my hat's off to the two of them. And, and, but see, not, not everybody can take that. Like, I have two children myself, okay? Not everybody can take that step away and, and, exactly. and do that. So everybody has a different story. It's just a matter of how you make it happen. So the fact that you were able to break away from the 9 to 5 and do what you're doing, that's fucking just as Even just for a little bit, it pays yeah. off. <laughs> I'll probably end up going back to it. And him, working <laughs> 9 to 5, it's the fact you're fucking doing it. Because yeah. you know what? There's people that go to that 9 to fucking 5. They come home, they're miserable, and that is their life. They don't push themselves to do anything more. They don't say, hey, you know what? Maybe I could be in a band after work. 
they just let it drain them and destroy their lives. Mm -hmm. So not ending on a down note, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and tie things up because we're going <laughs> right on enough. an hour and a half sure. now. Yeah. All right, we'll Sweet. be right back. And welcome back to Charm City Music Cast, and we are here with the band Mojo Bojo's Electric Circus. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we now know how that name <laughs> came about, yeah. and we know all about the band. So, once again, they are playing at Mayhem on September 28th. There's going to be free tacos there. Free tacos. Tickets are $10. And if, if anybody who's heard your music on this podcast or enjoyed this podcast wants to come see you guys play, they can go to your Facebook page, which is... Facebook.com slash Mojo Bozos. That's it. I like, or, I like how you know that, because most people are like, just search for Mojo Bojo's. I mean, yeah, you can Google it. That'll work, too. And then they can go They can go to your events, Yeah. and they can purchase their tickets, and what they have to do when they purchase your tickets is put the band's name in the box. Spell says, it the best you can. They'll figure it out. Yeah. You, you <laughs> just spell it the best you yeah. can. If it's 2 a.m. and you're drunk and you're buying tickets, just do Mojo's. Yeah, That'll Mojo's. Work. They'll figure it out. There mojo's. I feel like Austin Powers, Mojo. <laughs> it kind of it kind of fits with your with your music. It mojo. does, yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention the the Mojo part of the name. Actually, it was tied back to a venue I used to play down south. So. Oh, was Mojo's, it? yeah. Yeah, you left that out. That, that was that was that was that would have been an important thing. It's a deal breaker. <laughs> so why did that why did that pop into your head? Uh, it was just it was just one of my favorite venues to play down there, and I just like the whole vibe of when you walked into that place. It was kind of an old bluesy kind of bar kind of vibe. So. What was in your head first, Mojos or Bojos? Mojos, and then I like I said, I kind of wanted to let people know that we're Bozos too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so your new album when's that coming out? October nineteenth. October nineteenth, and I want you each to pick a song off the album that when people get it and they buy it. <laughs> That you're like, I want you to hear this song. I think we both would like everybody to listen to Contact. Yeah. Contact. It's second it's, it's, song it's on the record. The least right? yeah. out of what we've played out of uh, releasing stuff so far, but it's it's definitely yeah. Like I said, I think it captures kind of our our vibe. And people will get to hear that at Mayhem. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Mm -hmm. And do you guys have any other shows coming up? We do. We are playing. Um, we have something in the works at Metropolitan, so we'll let you know uh, more on that. Um, right now, we have the pop-up show at Stan and Joe's in Annapolis in the upstairs with uh, Leo and Cygnus, Karmic Juggernaut from New Jersey, I believe, who are absolutely insane. Also looking forward oh, to yeah. playing with those guys uh, in a band called Changing Scene, which is also looking forward to playing with them as well. It's going to be a great Sweet. one. Sweet. So October 29th. Week of Halloween, right? The 29th. October 29th, Monday. Oh, wow. It's going to be a spooky show. Ooh. <laughs> need some clowns to come to that. You you might get a lot. Yeah, you're going to be tested there if you don't like clowns. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll test people. Exactly. <laughs> so, and at Mayhem, will you guys will you, you guys have a merch table up, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. Tell me a little bit about your, uh, your shirts and your product lines. Well, we have some shirts, we have some stickers, we have a couple things that we'll have for the first time uh, at the Mayhem show. Um, we're going to have some uh, crystal ball magnets. We have this uh, kind of going with the theme of, you know, the electric circus. We have this whole little crystal ball kind of logo thing. So we have some magnets that we're going to have, limited run, that will be available. Um, 
We had some vinyl for sale. Do we still have any of those? We got a couple. You guys had vinyl? For sure, we scored some records. Shit! We have a couple left. Yeah, you can buy like the last two or three, maybe. We just have some singles out with our singles, Paranoia, and Keep It Alive. Yeah. Oh, my God. So if they're still available, will you guys have them at the show? Yes. We may have two records for sale if you're the first So you know what? You'll take one and that leaves (laughs) one. So that one person who's listening who wants a vinyl, a clear vinyl. See-through clear. Lathe cut. So if you come to the show and you're looking to get that vinyl, you better go straight to the merch table before before Mm. the end of the night. And if you want those fresh tacos, you, you want to get to you that line early. You skip the tacos. If you, want, <laughs> if you want that vinyl, you go you go to the merch table right. first. Very true, very true. And and just so everybody knows, once again, the reason why we talk about supporting the band and, and putting the band's name in and buying merch is in order for these guys, they're putting out a fucking CD with 13 songs on it. 13 songs. And in order for them to do that, that costs a lot of fucking money. Even though he's producing it, it still costs money. It costs time is money. So support the band. You love the music. You like what you heard tonight. Throw them a freaking bone. Give them a dollar. Give them a single. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, anything you guys want to bring up, talk about? Or? Well, we brought something for you. We've got um, a couple things to hook you up with. we got one of the uh, our T-shirts that will have um, the Mayhem show. So I'm going to. Let's give that to you there. Beautiful. And uh, one kind of cool thing we have here is uh, we got one of these magnets. We only had a couple of these made, oh, so you're nice. one of the few people to have one. Thank Put you very on, much. On your fridge or wherever, and a couple stickers. Actually, so. we'll go down here because uh, I want people yeah. to see it and ask who's right the Mojo Bojos. Yeah, Thank you very much, Enjoy. guys. You're welcome. And, Thank you for uh, having us. I hope everybody who's listened to this podcast has enjoyed it. Buy your freaking tickets and put Mojo Bojo's name in that box. Give the band some love. And thank you guys very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so All much right. for having us. Cheers, everybody. And we will see you at Mayhem. Later.